So here we are, first Sunday of Advent, Thanksgiving is over. It's hard to believe we're this far into the year. So when I begin the message this morning, I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you like waiting? Raise your hand. I want to see a show of hands. Who likes waiting? Online? Anybody? Raise your hand. I haven't seen a hand go yet, up yet in any service. I didn't, not surprised. We don't like to wait usually. What image comes to your mind when you think of a waiting room? The dentist's office, doctor's office. So often we think about a negative or a stressful time in our life. We'll think about, we might think about the DMV, the line for the DMV to renew our license or to get a new tag for our car. What about the airport gate when we're waiting for our flight and our flight's delayed? We've got a connecting flight we're going to try to catch and we're worried we're going to miss the next flight. Or how about our loved one who's put in, been put in hospice and we await the finality of life? But there can be positive moments when we wait, positive waiting experiences. Waiting can be a time of hopeful anticipation. What about a waiting room for an extended family when a baby is getting ready to be born? Or what about when you learn for the, you're, you're, as a couple that you're pregnant for the first time and you wait until the end of the first trimester to tell your family and friends and you're so excited you can't hardly contain the joy that you're about ready to tell people your good news. Or what about waiting to open Christmas presents? You know, we don't like to wait to open those presents, but we're hopeful that something good is going to be given to us underneath the Christmas tree. Or what about the DMV the first time you went to go get your license? I don't remember being worried at all about waiting when I was waiting in line the first time to get my driver's license. Or think about a couple that's engaged and they're waiting to be married. They're waiting to, for that day that they get to spend the rest of their life with their loved one. Well, if I were to pull everyone today, I'm sure we'd all have a waiting room story that we could tell. Let's be honest, we hate to wait. I'm sure to the point even that the quality of service sometimes is not as important as the speed of service. And today we're starting a series called The Waiting Room. What does God reveal to us in moments and times of waiting? You know, God's waiting room can be different experiences for different people in different circumstances. For some, it's a season of transition. For others, it might be a life-altering event or a tragedy. It could be a wake-up call to a life change. It could be a season of rest for some. It might be a time of refinement. It could be a time of joyful anticipation. No matter what brought you to this moment in God's waiting room, one thing is certain in all situations. It is for a purpose. I love what Romans 8, verse 38 tells us, or 28. It says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, the common misconception of this verse is that God is working for the good for my life so that my life will just be all roses and peaches. But that's not what God is necessarily saying in this verse. He's saying uh, that God is using all things, whether we perceive it to be good or bad, for his ultimate glory. All things. Wrap your mind around that for a second. This should give you some hope. It means that no matter where I think I should be, no matter what kind of job I think I should have, whatever, think, no matter what kind of relationship I think I should be in, or whatever goal or mark I think I need to make in my life, or wherever, however I have fallen short in life, or whatever tragedy or injustice has come into my life, whatever material good I have or I don't have, but I think I should possess all of it, all of it, I have or I have not because God is working through me for good and for the good of all things it's and for the good of his glory 
God's waiting room can be a tough place to be sometimes. It can be lonely. It can be confusing and an altogether heartbreaking space in some circumstances. But even in these things, God is still God. He can see what I can't and He has a purpose in all, in all as He carries me through it. God will use this for His good purpose. And today again we begin the season of Advent. And Advent is a period of time of expectant waiting of the coming of the birth of Jesus at Christmas. But it's way more than that. It's also uh, this idea that, that comes from the Latin word eventus, which is translated for the Greek word perusa, that's describing coming or arrival. And it's literally speaking of the coming of the arrival, the second return of Christ. And so literally Advent has, is, is waiting for three different circumstances. It's waiting to celebrate the birth of Christ again. It's waiting for Christ to come into the every believer's heart, for every person to respond to Christ. And the third thing is it's waiting for the return of Christ when he will bring the fullness of the kingdom of God. And so I invite you today uh, to join me. We're going to look at two people in the New Testament, Anna and Simeon. And and these people are waiting on God to work. And so I want to invite you to turn to chapter 2 in Luke, starting in verse 21. The verses will be on the screen behind me. You can also hopefully find them in your Bible or on your Bible app. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 21. It says, On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. There was also a prophet, in verse 36, also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old, and she lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying, coming up to them at the very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So the scripture introduces us to Simeon and Anna, two faithful servants of God who've been serving in the temple for many years in Jerusalem. And we see their joy when when God reveals the Christ child to them. And yet, I pondered this week as I was reading this passage, did they ever wonder if God would be faithful in his promises to them? You know, he spoke specifically to Simeon in his life and said, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. And yet he lived very long life and so did Anna. And I wonder, did they ever doubt? Did they ever wonder if God was going to follow through on his promises? You see, doubt even affects the 
best of God's servants. So many times in in Scripture we see doubt creep into even the heroes of faith. I think about doubting Thomas in the New Testament, right? He was the one who doubted if Jesus really was raised from the dead. I think about Gideon and even Jacob from the Old Testament. You know, we're, we're told that Jacob literally wrestled with either an angel of the Lord or the Lord himself all night long. And after that situation, God renamed Jacob Israel, which literally means to wrestle with God. In fact, God from that moment forward calls his people Israel, which means literally the people who wrestle with God. Most of us don't like to wait, and waiting during difficult times can sometimes cause us to question God's goodness. And as we wait, often we wrestle with God, wondering if God's going to come through and and questioning the timing of God's provision. Let's look at Simeon in the story first. If if there was ever a man who could exemplify waiting on God, it's, it's Simeon. He's a wise elder Jewish man, and He's walked with God most of his life. He's been waiting on the favor of the Lord. After all, he, like many in Israel, were waiting for God to deliver on this long foretold prophecy that he would bring a Messiah. And for 400 years, literally from the last uh, sentence in the Old Testament when it was written, 400 years later, they're still waiting for God to uh, come through on his promise. And Israel had suffered in this time period. They were kind of like a political volleyball, just kind of thrown back and forth between these larger, bigger, stronger nations. First the Syrians, and now the Roman Empire had grabbed control of this area. And yet in the midst of all this political unrest and strife, Simeon and others like him had waited patiently on the Lord to send his favor and the true king to the people. Simeon had lived his entire life waiting on God to move, just as he had foretold. And through the crafty manipulations of politically ambitious families, Simeon waited on God. Through the cultural transition from Greek Hellenism to a world dominated and controlled by Roman Caesars, Simeon waited on God. Through the topsy-turvy time of this Jewish economy, up and down, Simeon waited on God. Sometimes, saints, we have to wait on God through all that we're going through. And as we approach Christmas in this crazy year of 2020, I think we can say it's been a crazy year, we're here waiting. Somebody here is waiting on God to move and to do just what he has promised to do in their lives. And we're told that Simeon is waiting for the comfort, the solace, and the consolation that only God can bring. Somebody here needs to understand that the world can bring you some pleasure, but there are only some things that God can bring you. The world can give you advice, but God can give you direction. The world can give you a high for a moment, but God can give you peace that that meets you in the very depths of your soul. The world can give you a temporary hug, but God can wrap his arms around you the world can give us a vaccine we hope but god can give us eternal life we have a second witness in the story and her name is anna and she too has long waited for the appearance of the messiah and we don't know as much about anna she's merely introduced and kind of her life is summarized in a very short paragraph we know she was very old for the time the life expectancy of a woman in the day that jesus walked on the earth would have been about 30 years old, and so she's 84 at this point, very old. We know that she served God faithfully with worship and prayer and, and fasting. 
For years, she'd been giving herself to full-time ministry of intercessory prayer. Like Simeon, she had hoped for the redemption of Jerusalem with God fulfilling the promise of the coming of Messiah. How many of us hope that we can be as faithful as Anna is thus late in life? For To come to church day and night praying for the needs of the church community, praying for the promises of God to be fulfilled. Anna, too, might have had moments of doubt. Is God going to come through? Is he going to really honor his promise of Messiah? But I think Anna might have also wondered if her life truly had significant purpose. Was she really making a difference as an impact, with an impact as an older person, an older widow going to the temple every day to pray? And as a widow, she most likely would have been very poor most of her life. And she also would have been somebody who the time and the culture would have looked at and said she's not real valuable. And yet God used her as an example of faithfulness in this short passage. And she became great encouragement to Joseph and Mary, this young couple with this baby Jesus. So both Simeon and Anna are waiting for God to send the consolation, the one prophesied by the prophets of old. They're waiting for God to send a king, a counselor, a monarch, the consolation, the truth, the way, the light. They're waiting for the Old Testament prophecy to move from words into flesh. They're waiting for the prophetical to become physical. So what can we learn from Simeon and Anna as we find ourselves at times in places of waiting and not knowing when or if God will move? Not knowing if or when God will heal our disease Not knowing if God will provide a vaccine for COVID-19. Not knowing if God will provide a job. Not knowing if God will reconcile our strained or our broken relationship. Not knowing if God will bring our prodigal child to faith in Christ. What can we learn about the purposes in our own lives when we seemingly might be stuck in a place of waiting? Can we still contribute while we're in God's waiting room? What do Simeon and Anna show us today about faith and life in God's waiting room? Well, first, I think we look at them and we see they have an expectant faith. Simeon and Anna live out their faith expecting God's going to provide Israel the promised Messiah. They had not given up on believing that God would complete his promise in their living in light of the hope that brings perspective to their present. So where do we turn so that we might be hopeful while we are in a place of waiting, in times where we're waiting to see God move. Well, one, I think we can turn to Scripture. We have the revelation of God, God revealing His His salvation story to us. We can literally look at God's Word for the testimony of all the times that God has provided for His people, the story that speaks of God who promises and delivers time and again and again and again to His people. Simeon and Anna had the benefit of the Old Testament. We have even more. We have the benefit of the full story of God's salvation, of Christ, and the promises given of the early church of how God's going to bring about the second coming of Christ and the fullness of his kingdom. And one of the things that also makes me be hopeful when I'm waiting is to take time to remember all the times that God has been faithful to me in my own life, the people that he's brought who've encouraged me, supported me, held me accountable at times, and, and just the times that God has provided what he's needed. You know, I keep a journal uh, of my times when I read Scripture and, and when I spend time with the Lord in prayer, and, 
And oftentimes when I'm writing in that journal, I'm writing in ways that God provided answers to prayers or He provided what I needed. And what's great about being able to go back and look at those old journals is we be able to see times when I know God provided for me specifically, where He stepped up, where He did the things that I, did, I needed in that moment. And I want to encourage you, if you've never done that, is for you to go home and write out your, your spiritual journey, your story, kind of the history of how God has worked in your life. And the beauty of that is you get a chance to write down all the times that God has provided, all the people who've encouraged and supported you. And that's a treasure when we get in these moments where we're waiting for God to move and we're kind of beginning to wonder, is God ever going to do anything? We pull out that and we can read it and we can look at all the times God has been faithful and God has been good in our lives. God's past provision helps us to be hopeful while we're in the waiting room. You know, as I think about this part where we can be hopeful while we wait, I think about the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, every sermon has an application to football. You know, it's true. Wait on it. Hang on there. So, you know, the Kansas City Chiefs, I think of the Kansas City Chiefs before Patrick Mahomes and after Patrick Mahomes. So if you don't know, they played a game last Sunday night. They were down by three points with a minute 45 left. They had to go 75 yards if they were going to win the game to score a touchdown. And I would tell you that if it was the Chiefs before Patrick Mahomes, I would have seriously doubted could they have won that game. But when Patrick Mahomes is a quarterback, I seriously believed they were going to win the game. And they did. They won the game. Because the last two and a half years have told me with Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback, he can do those amazing things. Now, it causes me to look at that situation and go, if I think Patrick Mahomes can come through, how much more do I believe and know that God can provide, that God is good and God is faithful? We've got Scripture that tells us over and over again how God has provided for us. We have experiences that we know God has stepped up and he's done what we've needed. We can look back on the times that God did provide, that he did answer prayers. And then God also spoke to Simeon directly telling him that he's not going to die until he sees the Messiah. And God still speaks to us today through his word, through scripture, but also by his spirit in prayer. He also speaks to us through brothers and sisters in Christ. And when he speaks to us, his specific words always align with the scriptures that we already have. And so we know God still speaks. God still moves. And we can be hopeful while we wait, because we serve a God who resurrects. We serve a God who transforms. We serve a God who reconciles the lost and the broken. And I look at Anna and Simeon, and I also see an active faith. Simeon and Anna did not st- stop living their faith actively while they waited on God to fulfill his promise. The passage describes them as worshipers. They describes them as prayer warriors. We know Anna fasted regularly. When I read this account, I thought of of uh, Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. It says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go? When can I go and meet with God? It makes me think of them coming and worshiping and going to the temple and seeking God on an active basis. There's such a thing as active waiting. Simeon and Anna weren't passively sitting around waiting for God to fulfill his purpose. They did. They moved. They worked through their faith. 
It wouldn't have been particularly, it would have been particularly easy for Anna as a much older widow to not be so actively engaged with her faith, but we know she was at the temple night and day, the passage tells us. God's waiting room is not an excuse for inactivity. Anna didn't sit on the sidelines because she was older, because she was a widow. It made me think of Peter, uh, Paul's letter, first letter to Timothy, when he was encouraging Timothy to actively live out his faith as a very young leader in the church. And this is what he says in 1 Timothy 4, verses 12. He said, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Now, I think if he had been writing this letter to Anna, he would have, he would have kept everything the same except one word. He would have changed young for old. He would have written to Anna, Anna, don't let anybody look down on you because you're old, but set an example for others. So we look at this verse, and I'm telling you that you literally can put in whatever thing that people might look at you and think about or whatever you struggle with, and you put that in there, and then God's going to say, don't stop setting an example for others because of this thing, because you're young, right? Don't. You know, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, because you're old, because you're single, because you're divorced, because you have a disability, because you don't have a great job, because you don't have any job at all, because you're a working mom, because you're a stay-at-home mom, because you didn't make the varsity team. All those things. God's saying don't let those things be an excuse for actively living out your faith and influencing others. As I've read the Bible, I've never seen an excuse given for not living an active faith. It's when we put our faith into action that the Holy Spirit uses us to impact the lives of those that other people in significant ways. Oftentimes, we don't even know that we've impacted them in a significant way in their journey. You know, over the last 30 years, uh, as I've been an adult and after I left home as a child, as a, you know, as a college student, uh, as my parents would come to visit our family and every once in a while, as they were cleaning out the garage or the basement, they'd bring a box of my stuff. From childhood, and they, you know, they make it like we really want you to have this. We know you'd want it. I really knew they were just wanting to get rid of junk from their house, so they're bringing me the boxes. So over the years, they kept bringing me boxes, and I never went through the boxes. I just put them on a shelf in the garage. Put it on a shelf in the garage. So last week, I finally went through my boxes. Six huge moving boxes of stuff from my childhood and from my youth, and most of it, I threw it away. But there was some great stuff in there that I kept. And, you know, one of the things that I found when I was going through my box of stuff from my childhood, from my youth, was a birthday card on my 18th birthday from Ann Ross in our church. I went to, in high school, my family went to church at First Covenant Church. And when I was in the youth group, my senior year, our youth group leader said, you know what, we want to have every student in our high school ministry have a prayer partner that's an adult in our church that's going to be praying for this student on a weekly basis, and I won the lottery because I got Ann Ross for my prayer partner. And if you know Ann, she's a prayer warrior. And you know, Ann's still been coming to pray up until COVID happened. She's been coming every week still to pray for the needs of our church community. So I get this birthday card from Ann, my 18th birthday. I know she's been praying for me. She would come up to me about on a monthly basis at church, and she would say, how can I pray for you? And I'd tell her a couple of things, and you know how I know she's praying for me? Because the next time she came to ask me, how can I pray for you? She'd say, how did it go in those things that I was praying for you last month? 
I knew she was praying for me. And I know that made a huge impact on my life as a senior in high school. Who are you impacting with your life in Christ as you're waiting for God to move? The waiting room is not an inactive room. It's not a place for inactivity in God's kingdom. We actively wait upon the Lord. And I look at Simeon and Anna in this passage, and I also see their lives are spirit-led. Scripture mentions three times specifically that the Spirit was leading Simeon. It also infers that Anna was being led by the Spirit as well. As I was thinking about that, I, I, I remembered Romans chapter 8, verse 5 says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those whose, whose lives live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. You see, when we're in the waiting room of life, it can be easy for us to take our eyes off of God and put them on our circumstances. But that leads oftentimes to fear and worry and anxiety and doubt. But I think the waiting room provides space for us to search even more diligently uh, for God's presence and hope expectantly for him to move in his timing in our lives. The waiting room can be a great place for us to live out what Paul describes as the fruit of the Spirit. He names the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. He says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Think about this. What a testimony to believers and seekers if we're able to allow God's Spirit to produce character that is the fruit of the Spirit while we wait and trust in God to move in our life. You see, while we wait, we can be like Simeon and Anna. We can wait expectantly, we can wait with an active faith, and we can be spirit-led as we wait. And then when God moves, when God finally answers our prayers, it should prompt praise in our life. It should prompt recognition of God. When Simeon and Anna recognized that God had provided the Christ child, they were thankful. They praised God publicly and profusely. Verse 28 says that when Simeon took him in his arms, took baby Jesus in his arms, and he praised God. Verse 33 says, Anna gave thanks to God. They were joyful. They were satisfied. They were peaceful. They were hopeful. In Simeon's blessing, his prayer blessing in verses 29 through 32, hear this words again and just feel the joy and the peace and the satisfaction and the hope that are coming out in these words, he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. And the other thing that they did is in their response, their recognition, they gave witness to God's gracious activity in their lives. Verse 38 says that Anna spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Can you just see in your eye, Anna, this little old Jewish lady who's wandering around the temple courts just telling every person she can see that God has revealed to her this child that is called, that is the Messiah, the Christ child. And she's so hopeful. She's so excited. And they should be excited too because God is coming through on his promise to bring Messiah. Brothers and sisters, when you've been waiting on God to move, and when God finally moves, you will praise God and celebrate with praises. When you've been praying for your child 
in their grades to turn from F's and D's to B's and A's. And it happens, you'll praise God and celebrate God's goodness. When you've been praying for a job and your application turns into employment, you celebrate with praises. When you've been praying for your health and your doctor's prognosis turns into God's healing, you'll praise God. Simeon realizes that what he's been waiting for is now in his hands. And he praises God. He says, Lord, you can let me die in peace. I know the minute I saw this baby Jesus, the clock started ticking for me. He says, mine eyes have seen the salvation. And even before Jesus saw the cross, Simeon could see that he was already the Savior. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if Simeon can bless God with foresight, how much more can we bless God with hindsight, knowing who Christ is and what Christ has accomplished for us? But even more than that, you should praise Him when you stop to think about what He's done for you this past year. So I just want to close with this. How can we take what we see and what we've read, what we've heard about Simeon and Anna, and how can we apply it in our own lives? And I just want to ask three questions this morning. And I want to invite you to take out your sermon notes, little guideline in your worship guide. I want you to see if you'd be willing to write down some responses to these questions. That helps us apply. So the first question is, What are you waiting for the Lord to do in your life? What are you waiting on God for? Write it down. Write it down. Then take time and pray about it this week. Give it to God. Ask God to help you to trust Him with this thing you're waiting on. The second question is, what does the Lord want you to do while you wait on that? What is God asking you to do? What is God inviting you? you to do with your life while you wait. And the third question is, what do you need to praise God for doing in your life? What has God already done that you need to go back and praise Him for, to give Him glory, to recognize Him for accomplishing for you? Those times we look back and we can see God working and we know God came through, boy, it really helps us when we're in that season of waiting. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the story of Simeon and Anna that's recorded for us around the birth of Christ. And God, just to see these two older faithful saints who just continue to live their life actively, faithfully, worshiping, praying, fasting, looking forward to you, making your promise come true, trusting God in your faithfulness and in your goodness. God, we pray that you'd help us through the power of your Spirit to have the same kind of faith in those moments where we're in the waiting room, when we're waiting for you to act and for you to move. God, remind us of your goodness and your faithfulness in our lives, the ways that you have blessed us and provided for us. Help us to spend time in your words so that we can see the stories of your goodness and your faithfulness to your people that are recorded in your word. God, we pray that we might be found faithful. Help us to use our lives, influencing, impacting others for the kingdom. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.